Time for Sex, the podcast. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sex just isn't good enough. No, time for, time for sex. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sex, the podcast. Erica Miley here. I just want to introduce the next person I'm going to interview. Her name is Nicole Shapiro. She started, she's one of the creators of Raising Kids Without Sexual Shame. There's a page on Facebook. Um, that's how I found her. She she and I have a wonderful conversation about what it's like to raise kids without sexual shame, but also what is it like to feel passionate about this topic and try to advocate and create space and do all that we can to be able to help you out there to be able to teach your kids about sex without being triggered by your own sexual shame and not infuse the conversation that you have with your kids with shame, which is pretty tough to do. So this interview hopefully will be helpful to you. Stay tuned to the end. We've got some ways for you to contact Nicole. I can't wait for you to hear it. Talk to you soon. See you at the end. All right. Welcome to Sex the Podcast. Today we've got someone that I think all of you are going to just be uh, just delighted to hear from. Nicole, I want you to in- introduce yourself. Okay. Hi, I'm Nicole Shapiro. I'm a mom of two daughters. I say one is going for, I just said this today. One is going from teeny to tweeny and the other one's going from tweeny to teeny. (laughs) And I grew up in Hawaii. My mom started one of the first massage schools in the country. And so I grew up around with a single mom who uh, was running a massage school. So that meant that I've had my hands on bodies and or, and there other people's hands on my bodies like forever, which I think has something to do with how I came to do this work. And then I also grew up going to an ashram as my spiritual practice. So a lot of meditation and yoga and work that came out of the mystic side of Hinduism, basically. And then I moved to New York City and went to Barnard and studied... Asian culture and everything I needed to do to go to med school. It's a truncated version of life. And then I went (laughs) and then I got pregnant and had my first child. And then we moved to Seattle. And it was in Seattle that, you know, I've I've had a massage practice really since I was about 15. I got licensed when I was 17. And in Hawaii, we had like an apprenticeship program. So I kept that going in all the places, but I didn't really think I wanted to follow in my mother's footsteps as a teacher of things related to the body because it's not easy. <laughs> it's challenging in many ways, many levels. But when I got to Seattle and I had made the decision that I wasn't actually going to go to medical school because I wanted to be around for my children, I basically met people that were part of the sex positive community in Seattle that were they started to ask me how my perspective on things. And my perspective because of my life influences is just unique. And I just felt this moment where I was, I felt like it was my responsibility in a way to start taking, you know, the 30 some odd years of life experience and perspectives that I had on things and start, you know, in a way it was like, 
okay, it's time for you to follow in your mom's footsteps. Let's see where this goes. So um, the first thing that I started teaching on was I taught with a person named Terry Chalky, who developed a course entitled Clitoral Revelations. Mm-hmm. And basically, I couldn't believe that I had been around the body my whole life and, you know, like wrote anatomy book reports in elementary school, been around the body my whole life. Right. (laughs) And then I went to like one of the best women's colleges in the world. And then I didn't know all the parts of my clitoral complex. I was like, wait, what? And how, if I don't know all these parts, like, well then who, who does, you know? And this was kind of what started to feel like there was like a mandate almost, you know, it was like, Oh my God. And so Terry had asked me to start teaching with her because I knew anatomy. She's from a sociology background. And so she was teaching it from this, like, can you believe how much they've like made it hard for us to understand our bodies? But when she would get into the anatomy, she'd get kind of lost. And so I started teaching the anatomy section and that just kind of ballooned into actually the work that I did for myself to birth my second baby which ended up being incredibly ecstatic and I was singing opera and my husband's like, you just want to have a third baby because you want to feel that again. (laughs) (laughs) So that all, it became really my focus at that time was to talk about the intersection, that the birth is sexual and how to navigate that and how to utilize that to help, help your birthing experience. What that kind of flew me into was sex education, which I didn't really expect. And then also trauma work, because what I said, so one of the first courses I taught on my own was sexuality and birth. And what I said was that I was, it was, I was teaching it to a room full of sex positive people. And even with them, I said sex and half their brain went offline. And I said birth and the other half of their brain went offline. (laughs) And then I'm trying to teach this very, you know, Columbia University crafted PowerPoint to no brain, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I was like, well, Mm -hmm. that didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) So I really had to start addressing the unconscious and more. So Alina Gabosh was the first director for what was then the center and the foundation for sex positive culture it used to be one organization and then it broke into two different organizations. And Alina Gabosh was their first director and I think headed it for like 13 years or something. And Alina and I were talking, Alina and Terry and I were all talking one day and I was like, you know, sort of talking about this dilemma I was like, I'm trying to work with these parents to help them utilize their sex lives so that then they can have better birthing options, you know, better birthing um, experiences and they don't, they won't do their homework and I don't understand and their brains go offline. And Alina goes, oh yeah, that's shame. Mm. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And like, even just that word shame, I think I contemplated for a good few months to even really grok what that even means. So again, in this one, in this first conversation, we were talking about it and I said, wow, man, imagine what birth outcomes would be like if there was no sexual shame. I think that just you saying that right there, like, I just want to pause and like sit in that, like in a big, like I, what would birth be like? What would it be like if there was no sexual shame? Like, just even that thought is pretty incredible. Yeah. Sitting sitting with my kid in a stroller, 
the front steps of my house. (laughs) (laughs) So Alina said, I don't know, but let's find out. And so we started this conversation. I think we started it probably eight years ago. Um, It had different names at different periods of time. And then we finally landed on raising kids without sexual shame. And the way we did it was we just hosted a two hour brainstorming session sort of with anybody who wanted to show up um, in Seattle. And we did that once a month for five years. And we had, we had a number of general beliefs. One was that no one knows how to do it because <laughs> That's no, sure. right. No one's shame free. Yeah. No one's sexual shame free and no one's shame free. So it can't be a top-down education style course. It has to be a peer level, let's all sit down and just brainstorm it, you know? And so we'd throw, you know, our hope was that people would show up with different scenarios. And then as a group, we could all like brainstorm, okay, how would you address that without infusing it with shame, right? For one, we heard over and over and over again was, you know, my two-year-old wants to play with his penis while we're grocery shopping right? Versions of that. Or grandma comes over and she's masturbating on the couch. You know, my daughter's, my four-year-old's masturbating on the couch. I don't know how to handle this situation, you know? And so we just toss it out to the group. We have discussion guidelines, which are intense. I mean, they in and of themselves are a spiritual practice that no one does perfectly. But we try to stick with the discussion guidelines and then, you know, have these conversations about how you do this. And just that started to sort of fluff out the space and let everybody just even think about it. Yeah. Just even think about it. Be able to be present with it, be able to sit with it and be uncomfortable with it. And in community. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially, I mean, and I've said this on other episodes and I say this to friends and clients all the time. We are built for community. We are built for connection and we are built for vulnerability, but the antithesis of that is shame. And if if how we approach sexuality with our children is infused in that, they're only going to hear that message. Yeah, and so what, what also starts, so we did that for five years. Um, once a month for five years, varying people showed up, varying scenarios, varying spaces. We did it at Babeland for a while. We did it at Birth and Beyond for a while. Um, we did it at the little red studio before they closed. And then honestly, what started, we got a lot of, oh my God, I'm so glad you're doing this, but it started to dwindle who was actually showing up. So we got a, I, and I got a lot of side conversations. I got a lot of parents that were like, just kind of wanted to talk to me about it on the side, which essentially means that every, every time I'm hanging out with parents, I'm working. Right. So, but they wouldn't. (laughs) I may or may not know exactly what you're talking about. Right. So boundaries, learning them. So, so, you know, I think Alina and I, after doing that for five years, felt like, and and three people are showing up for these conversations when we, you know, do everything we could to get there for two hours on a Sunday morning. We just kind of were like, okay, maybe this isn't the best use of our time now. And so we stepped back. And we decided to take those two hours and just meet on our own and talk about what have we learned over the last five years of doing this and talking to hundreds of parents. 
And really what we stepped away from it all, I mean, again, there's sort of these general statements that I will say, which is that no one knows how to do this. Um, We have to, so we have to do it as a peer group. And then also that there's this, you know, my mom really set this precedent for me. It's like my mom chose to live her life very differently than her predecessors. And so in doing that, she raised me anew which means I'm constantly kicking her ass, right? Because she's an adult that unlearned and is, is she's perpetually unlearning and relearning. And I don't even know the old version, right? I've just got new fodder that I like build on. And so raising kids without sexual shame has the exact same balance for parents. We, we are having to, we are raising the next generation with less shame, which will mean they will say shit that will push our shame buttons. And so we need to have the tools to compost our own shame while also allowing these new trees to grow. Right. Yeah. So that, and then the other big thing we walked away with was adults need to talk about sex more period, the end across the board. It's just, and so what we actually did is then, um, you know, growing up in a massage school, watching my mom create curriculum, I could just kind of throw embodiment curriculum together like (laughs) like that. (laughs) And so I saw this whole series. And so we developed a series on sex intimacy and relationship. And we started teaching that at the, at the, for the foundation for sex positive culture. And we did that a bit. And then the foundation lost its space and now they're they're convening and so i think and now alina's moved to cyprus <laughs> <laughs> but i think uh sophia and i are gonna start teaching it again but really that entire series is designed to just get adults to start talking about it yes. at all any of these things and i i think what you're saying about especially about making the conversation about sex common Mm -hmm. is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast to begin with, but also one of the reasons why that I think those conversations from many people start from shame because of the fear of, oh, maybe if I say this thing, maybe nobody else thinks this thing. Maybe nobody else is doing this thing. Maybe I'm weird or broken or wrong when in reality many people are thinking that many people are doing that (laughs) many people are feeling those things and you're not at all alone i have yet to have a client a friend a, a family member ever ask me a question or say something or say they were thinking about something sexually that i haven't heard from someone else the the reduction of shame is i believe that stepping stone of where we have to begin and that's and that's why when I, I saw it, and this is, this is how we came together and how Nicole and I met. I saw her group on Facebook and I thought, yes. <laughs> yeah. So the Facebook page just came out. I think I probably started the Facebook page when we decided not to do the discussions anymore. And I think I originally did a group, but just because of how the algorithms work, the groups weren't really being pushed. And the page, I mean... I will say that I feel like the page has finally made a turn. So we've been doing this long enough that when we first started doing it, you know, it had no real 
it was almost, it was at that phase of like new possibility that like people are just can't even read it almost. Cause they're just like, uh, I, what, huh? Huh? Cause it's such a cultural shift. And so to be, you know, now to see other people writing blog posts about it, that you're contacting me because you're doing podcasts about it. It's like, that didn't, that wasn't here. That what didn't exist, you know, when we started all this. And so even on our page, we've had a couple of, you know, what I say is Mac McGregor, who's also doing a podcast thing now and wants to have me on there. Um, and I said, okay, okay, Mac, are, are you ready? <laughs> because the term I used yesterday is it's like trigger soup. Just like, you know, I popped something up there yesterday that a tween, I, you know, my child came home telling me a friend of hers said basically. And all I did was quote the kid and, and part of, part of why we do it that way is on purpose because that's how we receive it as adults. Like, right. There's no, we don't have a textbook on this. And even if we did, it's probably racist classes, stableist, like, right. Like there's everything wrong with it. So we really have to look at this in real time as it's showing itself to us as people to people. And so I popped it up there and the reactions are, are, are strong. And so throughout the years, we've had these like strong reactions from people that I think are directly the result of the shame where they start to shame us. Right. And this week it's been really beautiful to finally watch people of the page start to go, start to sort of moderate that without us. Like we've had to have really tight boundaries on that page because no one's paying us to run that page, right? It's like, it's a Facebook page. Like we see some stuff, we toss it up there. Like maybe if things get super intense, we've definitely had to block some people because they just get so ugly and won't stop. But that's sort of our, our aim is to shift culture, right? So if the people of the page themselves start to be like, you know, start to like not just keep perpetuating, even shaming each other when they don't agree, right? But starting to like, be like, you know, well, I don't think that that's what they meant by this. Or, hey, even one person this week was like, I think, you you know, it's always very useful to look at your triggers. You know, like, I was just like, I felt like we kind of hit this, like, this shift. The group is starting to moderate itself yeah, and in a really beautiful create, way. Uh, create that culture on, on its own, which is wonderful. And I think something that's important that you're talking about is that it's very difficult when you're triggered to not push that and externalize it and push it onto others rather than looking at, okay, why did I feel that way when I heard that thing? That's exactly right. That it's not easy to do, especially if you have those sexual tri- yeah, and, triggers. Yeah, you know, sex is, I mean, I'm still learning without a doubt. Like, sex is potent. Mm-hmm. It is like, mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I've been working with bodies essentially my whole life. And it's been fascinating to be part of a industry that shamed sex work for a long time. I mean... And probably still does, you know. My mom, when she first got her massage license, couldn't work in an, there, an establishment didn't exist where she wasn't going to be assumed to have been a prostitute doing massage work. And so mm-hmm. people that didn't want to be sex workers or, I mean, you could probably, that line is even its own, I don't mm-hmm. know, it's, a, it's its own line. 
she, you know, people like her wanted to not worry, for instance, about getting groped or about these boundaries that they wanted to have while they were doing massage. They did a lot to distance themselves from the people that were sex workers. And that infiltrated the massage community in in a very sexual shaming sort of way. And so, you know, that was some of the work that I did with myself in preparation for my second birth was recognizing that I needed to clear all that in order to be able to birth my baby <laughs> in a in a luscious <laughs> way, you know? Right. So I did that and that was part of why I was like Oh, hey, everybody, check this out. You could just like clear all that shit. That birth is awesome. And people, but you know, what I didn't have full awareness of is that people aren't in their bodies and don't have the tools to be in their bodies and haven't been like enculturated that way their whole lives. So I start to like back it up, back it up and be like, okay, let's just get them to a meditative state or let's just get them to feel their toes or the, you know, something and then mm-hmm. connect to right, the body exactly in a loving way. And then when we start to have the, the sex stuff come up, which, you know, in the sh- chakra system, which is what I grew up with, it is core. It's your root and second chakra. Um, I mean, it's like you, I feel like you, you hit something and it's like exponential in all realms. So that's why it gets to be this kind of trigger soup. And now we're going to talk about kids too. <laughs> <laughs> let's add, let's yeah. add yet another right. and parenting? trigger. Wait, what? Ah! <laughs> oh dear. Especially, it, especially in today's culture where many parents have to feel they, ha- they have to show this perfect parent persona out there, or they have to raise these perfect children that have to be just so and have the best grades and have to be doing everything at their best at all times. And if they're not, then you're a failure as a parent. And it's such an, it's such a, it's an expectation that is so unrealistic, so unrealistic for parents. And then adds a different layer of shame. And I think um, it's interesting that you're, when you were talking about the massage therapy, I have family who's also a massage therapist. And uh, that was one of those first things this person had to deal with was that shame about one bodies and two, not not necessarily for herself, but like going into a field where there was some like, oh, let me just make sure that I'm separating myself from a sex worker. So there's that built in and not, not in a, like, uh, not in a, just we're different, you know, different work, but in this, there's all this intensity around it. And that intensity Mm -hmm. is very much the shame. Yeah. And, and still battling some of those same battles you were talking about that your mother went through that I, I want to do a medical massage for you. And, um, my family member would tell me that they would, they they've encountered people still being inappropriate and wanting to, you know, be physical with them without consent. And that there's that shame, but in a different form. Yeah. It's all really tricky. Yeah. I mean, you can imagine I started, I was so, a professional massage therapist in my teens. 
as and as a teenager, like you, you go into it wanting to help and and be there for people and be present for people, and then seeing some of the other side of it too. So as far as you as a parent, when you approach your children, <laughs> and I know you have tweens, and and how where do you begin if you're talking to other parents out there who <laughs> don't know where to begin with their kiddos and tweens and teenagers? Where do you begin? My body. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So my answer to the composting work is holistic peer counseling. So we teach, I teach holistic peer counseling. And um, now it's in a correspondence version because we had too many people all over the world. I couldn't get them all to meet at the same time, which is a great problem. And I say that if you take peer counseling and the only thing you walk out with is the ability to know when you're triggered, we will have accomplished something phenomenal. So that's where I start. Where I start is my own attentiveness to being triggered. Now that said, that's not a walk in the park. I can work backwards from other things. For instance, is what is coming out of my mouth in alignment with my values? Am I actually yes. am I actually speaking yes. what I believe? Um, I remember one in the very beginning when I was first putting all this together, um, I was talking with another friend of mine who has a PhD in biology, and they were talking about their child mm-hmm. asking why, you know, I think her child was like three, you know. And pointed to her pubic hair or something and was like, why do you have that? And like, it triggered her. I knew this. It triggered her so much that her answer made no sense. Right? Now, obviously, she Mm. knows. (laughs) It's not that she doesn't know. Fear dictated. Right? I mean, she's got enough education. She definitely knows the accurate answer. But pubic hair, genitals, children, I don't know. Uh, uh, are they even supposed to see it? I, uh, do I, am I even allowed to have it? Uh, uh, like there's so much there, right? (laughs) So, um, I would say, so, so I feel lucky and I I hope that my children are lucky that, you know, my mom really, while there, I wouldn't say it was no sexual shame. It was far less than many people. Um, So I don't get triggered by stuff like that, but I remember at, and maybe what I'm not saying here is that I often allow it to be child-led. They have questions, right? And so I extrapolate from their questions. They come up to me and they bring stuff up or, I mean, I really say sex ed happens every day. I'm teaching my kids sex ed every day. You know, even if it's an example of they're fighting and someone might, you know, they're physically interacting with each other in a way and they're saying no, but still doing it. I've, they, they even know now what a safe word is. Cause they're like, don't worry, mom, we're just going to say pomegranate. Right. Like, and this is my, like, they're saying this to me when they're like <laughs> eight and 11. Right. That's, they don't know that's sex ed, but I know that's sex ed. And it's teaching them consent in a, in a very beginning level. So to like relationship stuff, to emotion stuff, to body stuff. Like there's so there's sex ed happening all the time. So that said, the example of the triggers, and I, and I bring that up first and foremost, because 
I think that that's one of the only ways to actually perpetuate the change is if my responses come from my triggered place, I'm perpetuating the old model. I have to actually compost the crap inside of me that produces the trigger so that then I can actually make sure that the things that I'm teaching my children are in alignment with my, my values. Absolutely. I, I just did, um, at my most recent episode, um, episode seven for the, for depending on when our listeners is, are going to hear this interview. Um, I talked about five tips to, to begin the conversation with kids about sex. And I, I said pretty much those two things that you and I are talking about that this conversation is lifelong and can happen every day and you let your child lead it. And does this conversation come from where your values actually are? Does this come from that internal integrity that you have inside of you that you know, okay, I don't like, I didn't like how it felt when I was taught sex ed, or I didn't like how I'd had these conversations with my parents or caregivers. I want that to be different and I want it to be supportive and comforting and not scary. That's right. That's right. And so when you're saying that within, even within the conversations that I'm having with my children, is it consensual? Where are their boundaries? Where are their edges? And so as I'm, you know, as they are different ages and different things come up, like, you know, we might, they might start with a question. I start to answer it and then they're done but I got more information. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. We'll wait till the next one. <laughs> right. But to to me, that's again, yep. teaching them. Yep. Consent, right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's funny that you say that because I'll share a little bit for uh, for my family <laughs> with with my kids. I definitely check in. Like uh, my my twelve year old is yeah, actually fairly right. aware of like I want to be a kid for as long as I can be, <laughs> and if I know <laughs> this information, I can't unknow it. Oh my god, it. that's so funny. Yes, and so like I, I I check in with her. I say, hey, are you sure you want to know this thing? Because I would be happy to give you context and all of those things because I want you to learn it from me and not the internet because the internet's going to show you all of the things that you may not be prepared for. Yeah, and then the beautiful thing that I'm seeing happening now is because I've done this, when she goes into these, you know, flash courses is what we have here. So now a teacher is going to teach them sex ed. She's critical. She doesn't take it for, she's not like, well, they said it, so it's truth. She and she comes back and she talks to me about it, you know. So keeping that conversation going, um, and uh, someone said it. I can't remember who said it, but someone else said, like maybe it was Joe Langford. We have to, or it might have been Amy Lang. I can't even remember now at this point. But it's we have to be sex experts. Like if we really want to be the source of their dialogue around sexuality, then we. It depends on us to actually be our own sex experts, which guess what? We're only going to be able to do that if we can deal with our own sexual shame, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's that's exactly right. But if you can start that as parents, and I, I don't want to overwhelm parents out there too much, like 
me, I know myself and Nicole are are happy to help those parents that are scared out of their wits to be able to start this conversation, um, to be able to 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 step into that what what can feel like a deep water. When in reality, if you start early and you start slowly and you start every day, it's not such deep water. What makes it? I mean, it can be a very fun form of education. It's not believing the intensity of the shame. That trigger has so much ability to convince us that this is terrifying. Now, it is powerful. Sexuality is powerful. I don't think we know yet what the power of sexuality is without the power of shame, right? So sometimes that intensity is actually the shame's intensity. It's not the sexuality's intensity. So we're still trying to uncouple those things. But the chill, what's so beautiful is that children are not brought into this world feeling ashamed of their sexuality. So they're really these incredible teachers. And I think that that's what a lot of people that came to our first discussions about raising kids without sexual shame knew. It was more about how do we help them be wise and safe about it without shaming them because shame has been such a tool to control sexuality that we also don't want to end up in a situation where no one, you know, where people know nothing about it or think that it's, you know, we don't want entitlement around it. We don't want um, a lack of safety around it and all, we don't want no one talking about it. Right. So we were like, how do we perpetuate learning really? which means we, we get to learn, which means we get to do research, which actually can be really phenomenal, <laughs> really, really fun. Yes. And, and challenging. But a lot of what makes it challenging, I think, is the shame that we're still trying to like weed, weed through. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that being said, I feel like this is like, because I think Nicole and I could, could do this for hours. Um, <laughs> and definitely, I, I think you fall into that you're a fellow in the Academy of sex nerds. Uh, <laughs> so I definitely want people to be able to find you and find the group. How do people find you in the world? Well, my name is spelled N E K O L E and I actually own N E K O L E.com. <laughs> so <That's> awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, if people want to do the trigger work, that's holisticpeercounseling.com and learn how to do that in a peer group that, that learn how to do it with each other. And then if you just want to start, you know, it's a really, you can be completely voyeuristic for a very long time with raising kids without sexual shame's Facebook page. Um, and I think that sometimes we have to be, you know, sometimes it's like such a radical conversation that we have to just sit in the back of the room and, even just look and hear and pay attention to what's been going, what's even happening before we start to feel like we can dive in and be a part of it. But the Facebook page is super easy, right? Um, Yes. Please be nice to us. Yes. (laughs) Don't go in there and cause havoc. It's a wonderful space. We, we know we're going to trigger you. We, we expect to trigger everybody and we can't manage everybody's triggers because we just don't have staff. I would challenge people if they jump on that page, like, and they feel triggered to, 
to, and this is what I often tell folks who, when they are feeling triggered, they don't quite know what to do or when they feel like fight or flight or freeze is taken over. I, I, I ask them to, Hey, turn on, put on your Columbo hat, put on your investigative hat, turn on your curiosity. Cause if you can do that, you can ask questions rather than attacking. And even if you need to take 20 minutes and walk away <laughs> and then come back to I'm it up. or a day. <laughs> yeah. Things are tough on the internet these days. <laughs> so uh, Raising Kids Without Sexual Shame, is uh, it's a page on Facebook. You can easily find it. I'll make sure everything is in the show notes so that our listeners can find you and find it. And um, anything else you want them to know before we're done here today? Can I say one of our mission statements? Absolutely. If we know that sexuality is a highly potent aspect of being human, and we know that we will navigate this aspect of ourselves every day of our lives for the extent of our lives. How can we be responsible adults and not provide a means of preparation for the coming generation? Yes. Woo! Clap Woo! applause. Yes, I love it. <laughs> so much. Thank, Thank you, Nicole. You, I appreciate it. Hi there. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Nicole Shapiro. You can find her at www n-e-k-o-l-e dot -E com and she also shared with us the holistic counseling.com she also shared with me a link to be able to find her book on Amazon uh, about holistic peer counseling and we would be happy to answer any of your questions if you have any especially about this episode or if you're interested in some of the topics that I talked about today you can contact me www.ericamiley.com. You can also email me, erica at ericamiley.com. And erica, E-R-I-K-A, Miley is M-I-L-E-Y. I'd be happy to hear from you. Please reach out if you need anything. We will see you next time. Have a great week.